Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful for uh, this night. We're thankful for this Lord's Day. We're thankful uh, for each opportunity to come together as the church gathered and to praise your name, to worship you, uh, to hear from your truth, to hear uh, from your word. And so we rejoice in you uh, this evening. We rejoice in you today. Lord, we're thankful again for the, the testimonies of baptism we saw this morning. I pray for those two that you would bless them, that you would encourage them, uh, that they would find in this church a church that will walk with them. And together we would hold high the banner of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray as we, as we come tonight to hear and to study your word, to think about you, to think about uh, the truth of you and who you are. I pray that you would lead us in the effort that you would bless us in the effort. I pray that we would be built up uh, tonight in the consideration of the things we're gonna study. And I give it all to you. I trust it to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Last week, if you remember, I started off by saying that we are in a master class on worship, meaning uh, that we are studying these traits of God and that as we study these traits of God, these uh, characteristics of God, they elicit from us or they evoke from us a response of worship. Uh, when we see the holiness of God as we did uh, on the first week, it should cause us to worship. It ought to evoke from us a response of worship. And when we see the eternalness of God last week, uh, it should have caused in us a response of worship. It should have evoked from us a response of worship. And I said, on Sunday nights, we are in a master's class on worship. And I want to tell you that is awesome. I believe that for sure is needed. Uh, I want to tell you tonight, welcome to Sunday night and our master class on worship. Well, I've changed my mind. We are not in a master class on worship. And I'll just tell you, I, I believe it's bigger than that. And I'll just tell you, it is better than that. Uh, that's actually just part of it. That's just a piece of it. Now, what we are doing on Sunday nights is we are deeply studying theology. Now, that is what we're doing on Sunday nights. And so really, this is a master's class on Christian theology. That's what this is. You want to know what you're doing tonight? This is a master class on Christian theology. Now, let me just tell you this. And so if you will get in and if you will think and you will listen and if you will consider uh, in this study, you will end it as a theologian. Uh, I want you to tell your neighbor right now, I'm about to be a theologian. Go ahead and do it. I'm about to be a theologian. Now, let me explain that. Theology, some of y'all didn't do it. Theology is the study of the nature of God. Sometimes we hear that word and go, oh, that's kind of that's big, that's kind of heavy. I'm not sure about that. Theology, very simply, is the study of the nature of God. Very simply, it is to consider or to think about God. What is theology? It is the study of God. It is the consideration of God. That is what we are studying on Sunday nights. Well, Christian theology, it is the study of the nature of the Christian God. Now, we know this is the one true God. We know this is the living God, but Christian theology is the study of the nature of the Christian God. And so each week, as we come and as we look at 
uh, these traits of God, as we come and as we think about uh, these traits of God, these attributes of God, what we're doing on Sunday nights is we are growing as theologians. Tell your neighbor, I am a theologian. I am a theologian. Now, let me just tell you, we're about to get to our focus tonight. But before we do, I want to tell you my observation now that we're all theologians. And so here we are, we're amongst theologians. And so I just want to tell you a couple of my observations tonight. Uh, my observation is this, and, and this is something I've been watching. Uh, my observation is this. When it comes to God, we generally make two mistakes. And I believe as humans, I believe uh, maybe as Christians, but when it comes to God, uh, we generally make two mistakes. And that is what I see. Uh, the first mistake that I believe that we make is this. We fail to grasp the bigness of God. And I think that is a common mistake. We fail to grasp, to understand the bigness of God. Now, what we want to do as people, we want to make him small. And we want to make him manageable. And maybe we want to make him understandable. I want to understand him. We want to make him containable. And so we really try to make a small version of God. That's why we say, well, he's the man upstairs. I can relate to the man upstairs. And so I think we sometimes try to make God small. We fail to grasp the bigness of God, the utter hugeness of God. I was thinking about that this afternoon. One of my favorite accounts in the Bible is the story, the account of young David. And you remember the account, he goes and he's supposed to take lunch uh, to his brothers. His brothers are in the army of Israel. Uh, they are out in battle fighting the Philistines. They have come uh, to a halt in their battle. And he is sent by his dad as a young teenager to carry lunch to uh, the battlefield. Now, remember the story, he goes there, he sees the battle line and it's just drawn up. He sees the army there and he sees they are frozen in fear. He sees they are scared to death of Goliath. Uh, there's been all sorts of things offered. Everybody wants to, to encourage somebody to go and take him out. And they're standing there in great fear. And remember this, one of my, my favorite accounts, David says this, here's this giant. Here he is standing and posing on the army of Israel. And this young kid walks up with a sack lunch and he says this, who is this Philistine that he should taunt the army of the living God? And I think about that, you know what? He had a big God. He had a big understanding of God. He didn't care about that Philistine. He didn't care about his intimidating side. So who is this Philistine that he should taunt the army of the living God? He had a big God. The first problem I see, we fail to grasp the bigness of God. And the second thing is this. The second problem I've observed is this. We fail to understand the nearness of God. We fail to understand the nearness of God. Our God, he is personal. He knows us. He sees us and he cares for us. As part of that, he loves us. Now, this movement to say that God doesn't love everyone is an attack really on the nearness of God. And so I think sometimes we see him as distant. 
Yes, I believe there's a God, but he is distant. He is removed from us. I don't experience him the way these folks did in the New Testament day or the, the way they did the prophets in the Old Testament day. And so somehow we see God and yes, he is real, but he is withdrawn from us. When the truth is this, listen to me. He is so near that he hears us pray tonight. That he heard me pray tonight. That he heard Brenna pray tonight. He is so near that he sees us and he knows us and he cares for us. Well, the problem with those two things is this. It's hard for us to reconcile those two things. Now, the bigness of God and the nearness of God, those things don't seem to fit together. And we think, well, he could be one of those things, but he can't be the other thing. He could be big, but he can't be near. Or he could be near, but it then surely can't be big, and we have a problem reconciling those two things. Well, I want to tell you the awesome thing is this. He is big, and he is near. Now, let me, let me make you a promise here. My mission tonight is that we're going to see both of those things tonight. Now, that's a pretty steep thing, but my goal tonight is that we're going to see both of those things Tonight, tonight our subject is this, God is infinite. We saw that God is holy. We saw that God is eternal. Tonight we move along. Our God is infinite. That's what we're going to settle on tonight. That's what we're going to focus on tonight. Our God, God is infinite. Infinite means it is defined as has no limit in space, extent, or time. If you go look it up in the dictionary, that's what it's going to say. Infinite. Has no limit in space, extent, or time. Another word is boundless. As part of that definition, every time I found it, it says this. It is impossible to measure or to calculate. Uh, now, the opposite of that would be to be finite, and to be finite means to be bound by space, uh, by time, or by extent. Now, the symbol for infinity, uh, sadly, it's made popular by a car, not by math, evidently. Uh, the symbol for infinity, uh, it is a symbol that when you see it, it means the variable goes on and on and on, heading toward but never approaching infinity. That's what it means. There's a variable and it goes on and on and on, heading toward but never reaching infinity. Now, remember this word. Uh, it comes up tonight uh, for the third week in a row, and that is the word transcendent. Now, I guess we're going to see that uh, on Sunday nights for a while. Transcendent means it is beyond the grasp of our information and our experience to comprehend it. If something is transcendent, the fact that God is transcendent, uh, we do not have information or we do not have experience with which to comprehend it. Very simply, there is nothing to compare it to. There is nothing like that. And so we really can't understand it. We could try to understand it, but we do not possess the information or the experience to truly understand it. We'll go back to our definition tonight of the word infinite. Uh, it means it is impossible to measure or to calculate. That's what it means. 
Well, here's the deal. Tonight, our God is infinite. He is limitless in all ways. He is boundless. Now, by the definition of that, it is to the point that we can't understand it. We have nothing to compare that to. Our God is infinite. He is limitless. He is boundless to the very point that we cannot understand it. Our God, he is infinite. Now, it goes back to the word holy uh, the first week. It's funny how these things keep uh, tying together, how they're all laced together. But it goes back to the word holy. Holy means unlike. And so we need to go ahead and say it right here. And so therefore, only our God is truly infinite. Only our God is truly without bounds. And so he is holy in the fact that he is infinite. There is nothing to compare that to. And it is truly is, he truly is the only one, the only thing without limitation. Now, the fact that God is infinite shows up, it's really a complicated thing. It shows up in many expressions. You can find it in several ways. But in Scripture, the way that it is expressed is in three main ways. And so biblically tonight, uh, there are three expressions of the fact that our God is infinite. Now, I think it's interesting, and our God tells us these th three things. And so we're not just sitting around trying to figure something out. Uh, this is what God tells us of himself. And so the expression of the fact that God is infinite is revealed in three things, and God tells us himself of these three things. All right, so the three expressions uh, of the, the fact that our God is infinite, here's the first one. Our God is omniscient. Our God is omniscient. It means all-knowing. Limitless in his knowledge. That means possessing all knowledge. Now, that's kind of weird to think about. There is no piece of information that he doesn't know. He's never going to be surprised. There is no knowledge that he does not possess. Um, there is no wisdom that he doesn't possess. So not just the facts, not just the information, but the wisdom behind them. He is all-knowing. He has all knowledge. He has all information. He has all wisdom. Psalm 147 verse 5 says, Great is our Lord and abundant in strength. His understanding is infinite. He says it of himself. His understanding is infinite. So the first way the fact that he is infinite is expressed is that our God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. That is the first thing. The second thing is this. The second revelation of the fact that he is uh, infinite is that he is omnipotent. He is omnipotent. Now, that is a word that means he is all-powerful. Uh, he has all power. He possesses all power. Uh, he holds all power. Because of that, he's all-powerful, able to do anything. There is nothing that he intends to do that he's not able to do for a lack of power. His power is unlimited. His power doesn't expire. His power isn't tapering off. He holds all power. Psalm 115, verse 3, But our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. 
Whatever he wants to do, he can do it without limitation. Genesis chapter 18 verse 14 tells us nothing is too difficult for him. He doesn't set out to do something and run up against it and say, I'm not able to do that. Nothing is too difficult for him. In Isaiah chapter 40 it says, he doesn't grow weary. He doesn't become tired. Our God, he is all powerful. Now that shows up in a lot of ways, but especially in creation. All the things we see, all the magnificent systems that we see, every created thing, he spoke it into being. He is all powerful. Third way it shows up, he is infinite. Third way it shows up in scripture is he is omnipresent. He is omnipresent. Now what that means is he is everywhere at all times. He is everywhere at all times. Psalm 139 says, where can I go from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in shoal, behold, you are there. If I take the hands of the dawn and I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, your right hand will lay hold of me. Now that's kind of hard to think of, but as mind stretching as it is, God is everywhere and he's there at all times. There is nowhere at no time that you could ever go any place that our God is not there. You cannot escape the presence of our God. Now think about that. Times of trouble, he's there. Times you think you're running from him, he's there. Time you're in sin, you know what he sees? And he's there. Times you're celebrating, he's there. Our God is everywhere. Now, those are lofty things to think about. Those are awesome things to think about. But those three things become next level when we consider they are all infinitely true at the same time and infinitely so. Our God is all powerful and infinitely so. He is all-knowing and infinitely so. He is all and ever-present and infinitely so. He has no bounds. He has no limitations and infinitely so at the same time. Now, if you try to picture all of that, he is everywhere. He has no limit to his power. He knows all things. He possesses all wisdom. Try to picture all of that at one time, and I don't know how you're going to come, not come to the conclusion, our God is big. Our God is big. He is big. Now, when I think about all that, I consider what the psalmist said. And as I think about those things, I, I, I think about what the psalmist says, who is like the Lord our God? And that's what I, who is like the Lord our God? Nobody. No one is like the Lord our God. All of those things, infinitely so, at one time, who is like the Lord our God? Nobody. We serve a big, big God. Now, remember I said I was going to tie that back to the nearness of God. Now, how's that going to work? How's that going to play out? Now, I want you to go with me. Our God, that God, and I think it's important to realize it, that God sees us. He sees you. He tells us that. That God sees you. He tells you that. That God, he loves us. He clearly tells us that. That God, that great God, 
that big God, he loves you. And he is so concerned with us, with you and with me, that he sees our helplessness in our sin. And that big, infinite God, that big God sees our need for a Savior. And so he acts. Now see where those two things meet. Now I want you to follow with me. Stay with me right here. God is infinite. Now what that means is that trait applies to all of him and applies to everything about him. When he's holy, that trait applies to everything about him. He is infinite. That trait applies to him and everything about him. Now watch this. Stay with me right here. And maybe it shows up nowhere as it does at the cross of Calvary. Now stay with me. Nowhere do I believe it shows up as it does is at the cross of Calvary. You see, only an infinite Savior God, infinite in scope, could pay for the sins of the entire world, all of the sins of all of the people. And only a God infinite in grace would ever desire to do so. There's got to be a limit to his grace, doesn't there? No, it's infinite. Only a God infinite in grace would desire to do so. And only a God infinite in love would do so at the cost of himself. And that's what that word love means. That's what it translates. Only a God that is actually literally infinite in love would do so at the cost of himself. And only a God infinite in his perfection could be in the position to do it. Perfect, without a single blemish. Only a God infinite in his perfection could be in the position to do it. And only a God infinite in time, eternal, could do it and provide it for eternity. We saw that in our study of John. Only an eternal God could, could give you eternal life. Only a God infinite in time, eternal, could provide it for all eternity. And only a God infinite in power would be effectual in doing it, defeating death and living again. And I want to tell you tonight, at the cross of Calvary and in our Savior Jesus, we see the infinite bigness of God meet the amazing nearness of God. And those two things stand together at the cross of Calvary. Oh, that ought to cause us to worship. Oh, that ought to drive us to worship. We think about those things that God's so great and so near. What God so great would endeavor to save. What God so great would submit to bleed. Only a God so near as to see our need. Praise the Lord. That is our God. Let's pray. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. Father, we come, and I'm blown away when I start to slow down and look at you. Infinite, boundless, limitless in all things, and yet caring for us, showing your love for us, gracious to us as sinners. 
And so we come and we, we see that you're infinite. We, we revel in that, Lord. We are excited about that. We worship you for that. But we also see that you are a God who is infinite in your love and your grace and your mercy shown to us. And so we praise you for that as well. Lord, we come and I pray for the folks that are listening in this room, those that are listening in some other way tonight. I pray that we are truly becoming theologians, people with a solid doctrine built upon the word of God who understand who you are and what you're like and what you've done and what we have, what you've provided in the person of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that that would bear fruit in our life, that that would build a faith in our life. And as we walk through these days until you come again, that we would do it with great faith to the honor and the glory of our Savior, Jesus. Lord, I'm thankful and when you found us as sinners, you provided a way in the person of Jesus. Lord, I pray for somebody tonight that doesn't know Jesus. I pray in the hearing of this message, in the hearing of the message of our church, that they would turn and they would trust you and receive you in faith, even tonight, especially tonight. Lord, we come and just tell you we love you, we worship you, and we praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.